what passed innovated, what passed created, which presented a lot of challenges to convincing others of its value, has now become very standard and very, very commonplace, interdisciplinary. That was not where education was. That was not where anthropology was 20 years ago. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today on Learning Unboxed, we have a very special treat. Past Foundation, as you all know, has recently celebrated 20 years in the midst of a global pandemic. So like so many of us around the world, our plans um, were derailed. Uh, we were going to have an epic celebration, trying to figure out what that was going to be. And then something else comes along. And so it gave us a lot of opportunity at the Past Foundation to think about a lot of things, including, you know, what was the next 20 years going to look like for us? And it got the staff collectively getting very um, introspective, I guess you will, and asking a ton of questions about sort of the Past Foundation's origin story. And on this program, we're always talking about best cases. And we, we've, we frequently talk about how things get started and why starting um, matters so much. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to actually revisit the origin story of the past foundation. And for those of you that might not be overly familiar, you know, what, what we, we state on our website is that 20 years ago, two anthropologists, a documentary filmmaker, a graphic designer and historian, along with an international team of research scientists, launched the past foundation. And so today, those four individuals um, are the conversation that we're going to have. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have um, this group together because these are the folks that launched a grand adventure, uh, a true journey. And so uh, joining us today is Shelly Smith. Uh, Shelly uh, uh, is from the Napa, California area, a maritime historian, um, a legend in the field of underwater archaeology, and has spent day in and day out for many, many years um, with me living the everyday components of what it takes um, to build an organization like Past Foundation. And she is currently the executive director of the Napa County Historical Society, uh, which is a research center and museum concentrating on bringing history alive through technology, exhibition, and innovative programming. And it's really exciting for Shelley to get back to those museum roots. So Shelley, welcome to the program. Hi, Annalise. Good to hear you. <laughs> and joining Shelley is um, Andy Hall. And Andy Hall is a maritime historian um, um, component uh, of that original uh, group of four of us. And he you know, Andy has actually worn so many hats over the years, it's really hard for me to kind of keep up with um, all of that. But I suspect that one of the things that is near and dear to, to Andy these days is that he currently serves on the board of directors of the Texas Navy Association and is chairman of that organization's effort to locate the remains of the Texian schooner Invincible um, that was wrecked in Galveston in 1837. And so again, you're going to see a lot of similarities in, the, in these stories. So Andy, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
We are happy to have you. And rounding out our little um, band of four warriors, so to speak, um, is documentary filmmaker um, Dennis Egg. And Dennis is uh, currently in Bozeman, Montana. And just like like Andy and Shelley, numerous, numerous accolades in their um, their chosen profession um, over the years. You know, so so Dennis has been involved in everything from natural and documentary filmmaking to crazy adventures to um, trudging along a variety of different places in the early years with with Andy and Shelley and I. And he is also a longtime um, board member of the Past Foundation. He's now a more emeritus board member. So, um, Dennis, um, welcome. Thanks, Annalise. Happy to be here. So, so it's been a, a, a journey as we think about all of these uh, different pieces. And, um, you know, when we sort of talk about origin story and what the importance of origin story, it gets really interesting when you sort of start diving into that. Um, and actually, Shelly, I'm going to toss this first one to you because the staff reminded me, you know, that every time we got stuck, you know, Shelly uh, on a project would always ask, well, what's the origin of that thing, right? Or what's the origin story? Do we really even understand why why an organization, a group, a school, a set of teachers, a community partner, you know, why they are where they are, you know. So so as the anthropologist, I'll put that hat on Shelly and help us understand the context for why origin is so important. And then we're going to get into the weeds of the crazy cast uh, wow. past staff questions. They just asked me that because they knew I was the provocateur. That's right. <laughs> Always been the case. Um, <laughs> Always. Case, yeah. Um, I think the why, because if you can answer the why, uh, as Steve Jobs once told us, if you can answer the why, uh, what you create is secondary. And, but the why is the real is the real heart of the matter. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can get past the, the why is also going to show you all the obstacles and all the stumbling blocks. So it gives you kind of a navigational kind of cool way to look at the world. Um, we often had teachers who, if we understood the why, we could actually get them to make a change. Um, so I think the why in past was always extremely important to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, still is. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, which I think gets us directly to um, the first question from the staff, which actually starts with why, question mark, why the four of you, why this, why hmm. then, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, Shelly, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that that's really important. So just, just for our listeners sort of setting a bit of the stage. So Dennis and I got together around some of that crazy idea, and we'll get into some of the, the weeds with that. And very quickly, very shortly on the heels of that, um, started working um, with Shelly and with Andy um, on the first set of projects that will really sort of set the foundational piece for past. So it was really critically important. But, you know, I guess I want to toss this question to each of you, Dennis. I'm going to start with you. Why past? Why this thing? I mean, of all the things 20 years ago you couldn't have gotten involved with, why, why on earth would you get involved with this crazy idea? I mean, I still remember the first time I met you. You came in. I had this basement office uh for my production company and we had just finished this absolutely hellacious project with national (laughs) geographic about k2 um where we sent a crew to k2 but the india and pakistan had 
declared war on each other and were fighting over Kashmir, <laughs> which if you know the geography, right, yeah. Andy, it's they're all on top of each other, you know. Um, so so honestly, so this this young woman comes into my office, you know, and lets me know that she was referred by my uh, sister-in-law, I think, and uh, via her fiance at the time, Chip, you know, and she outlined past me in like two sentences, you know. Um, and I do remember that I think there's a mention of Red River and sunken boats and this kind of stuff. And I thought, well, that sounds like a nice change from, you know, a big international <laughs> project and should be very simple, you know. So I said, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> and then she sat down and we talked for a while and here we are, you know, so that's how I remember it started. <laughs> and and I mean, the the idea of past was was really what hooked me, you know, it was the idea that whether it was these archaeologists, it was in a lot of ways, but some other things I've done since then, both with past and, and with Montana State, you know, where I teach, it's like, you know, you understand the present and future by understanding the past, you know, and even though that's not what past means. <laughs> You know, that it was going to involve technology and expeditions. And I think the whole thing was that Annalise was so enthusiastic uh, and just had that vision, you know. And I just said, sure, yeah, let's do this, you know. And that's, that's you were it. glutton for punishment. So, you had no idea what you were signing on yeah. for. I just want to be I really no, clear. Of course not. None of, course of us not. knew. But you have to not realize, a single one of us really, you know, really knew what we were we were we were doing. I mean, here's the thing. Sidney Pollack has the, had this uh, comment about filmmaking. You know, the decision to make a film is the decision to have a train wreck. And <laughs> and then the second decision to control the train wreck. Okay. <clears throat> so when I'm in a field that thinks like that anyway, you know, past has not been the worst train wreck. I think, oh, so. And it's not a train wreck at awesome all. Awesome way to qualify you know? there, Dennis. <laughs> uh, right. So. Just saying, you know, there have been bumpy, bumpy times. Okay, mo know, moving but, on from uh, Dennis. Uh, Andy, <laughs> save us. <laughs> uh, my my introduction to past was very similar to Dennis's. You and I first met at Shipwreck Weekend at mm -hmm. Texas A&M uh, yeah. in College Station, I think in 2000. Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Yeah. And that was, as I recall, that was right about the time past was either first organized or incorporated or very shortly after. Um, and then we so and I thought it was a, it was a really exciting thing because your focus was uh, was public education, uh, especially with kids and young adults and, and, and young people. And the thing that I've always been interested in is the public education side of stuff. It's wonderful what anthropologists do, what 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 other scientists and researchers do, but. The critical piece is getting that material to a wider audience and to get those things appreciated by a wider audience. So that's what, that's what excited me about past. We continued that conversation um, later at SHA with Shelley in Long Beach. And then we really got going with Red River in 2001. Yeah, absolutely. Shelley, same question to you. Um, I remember you know, the bar conversation. Awesome, share it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, that doesn't make the train wreck sound no, so bad. No, but, you know, you know and we, 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 full disclosure, right? Yeah. Shelly and I, we say this all the time. You know, the best yes. ideas on the planet happen at your professional conference, whatever your profession might happen to be, often at the bar where people are just 
brainstorming and letting loose on the wild, crazy ideas because you feel like I'm unfettered in this environment, right? I'm allowed to say the crazy thing and it might be okay. Yeah, I remember that we were all talking about, we were really challenged at the time in the 90s to bring um, the passion of archaeology to the forefront um, that most uh, were written and we're still in that paper mode at the time that um, the paper, when it finally got to paper, you know, it would bore your grandmother. And so it was just like, oh God, we got to get out of that. We got to break this habit. Look what Indiana Jones literally raised um, enrollment in colleges by 20%. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to figure this out. We've got to figure this out. (laughs) I remember we're all sitting there drinking. We turn around, we go, oh, you just got your PhD. You could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do have often said I I drew the short straw, literally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, the real problem was that she remembered I was in that conversation and called me later <laughs> and said, you said, <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> so, it's one of those few times, I mean, in the 40 years I've been at those conferences and all of the brilliant and wonderful brainstorms I've been privileged to be part of. I think that was the one that I think we all thought we could do this. We can do it. You know? And, uh, and, and I, so, I mean, kudos to Annalise for actually not just throwing us off, but actually picking it up. Make me cry. <laughs> do not do that. Yeah. That was good stuff. You know, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a team effort, and it always has been this team effort because it takes all of these folks thinking really creative and unfettered, right? As as as, as you guys have said, and and it and then it takes the other piece to the launching of something like this. I think is it, it back to Shelley's point? Hey, you just finished this thing, this PhD, and oh, by the way, you don't have a job, (laughs) which was true, (laughs) you know? So, hey, we have this idea collectively. How about you go see if you can launch this thing? It'll give you something to do while you're looking for other things, right? You know, and, but I, but there's, there's a really important truth in that because you have to have the time, not just the idea and the support structure around you to be able to do a thing, but you have to have the, the freedom and the latitude to also then be able to do that. Um, Andy, you wanted to add something. What was that? No, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say to Shelly's point about, about being caught in a paper world mm. uh, where you're mostly communicating with your, with, with your fellow professionals. Uh, a, a colleague of mine around that same time uh, said, oh, I just got a paper published in prestigious uh, archaeology journal. Uh, and I said, really, how do, how was it, how was it received? And he said, both people who read it really enjoyed it, you know? <laughs> so, so that's, that gets to the, the idea of, of wanting to go mm-hmm. to a much larger, much wider public audience. Absolutely. And it's the same, I think, across all the applied research sciences, um, a variety of descriptions, right? However you want to pull whatever labels you want to put on those. That's a whole nother conversation. You know, we, we very quickly, we started with what we, we knew, right. Which is, was archeology span and, and back to, to, um, you know, the point of being made, look what Indiana Jones, as Shelley said, because, um, it was all around that spark 
that spark for others or had really nothing to do, you know, with us and our own love for the field that we have. You know, obviously that was a contributing factor, but at the end of the day, back to what Andy was saying, that public outreach and engagement component, right, was about can we spark others no matter what the topic is? And ultimately we, we very quickly branch out from, from archaeology into tons of other things, but we came to all of those other things with that same sort of drive and desire. Can I make this thing? Can I make this chemistry experiment or this archaeology experiment or, you know, this physics problem so exciting and so intriguing to others that they will latch on? And and I think that was a challenge for us, right? I mean, I think that the other thing we haven't really talked about here, which gets me to my next staff question, which was around, hey, who are the naysayers? I mean, I think part of it was, you know, hey, can we actually do that? Can we pull this off? Well, yeah, I remember scrunch. I mean, what did we know about that other than, you know, we were scuba (laughs) divers. I I think that we brought that archaeology and, uh, you know, I I was going to say that when we wanted to reach beyond paper, it was Andy and Dennis who brought the Mm -hmm. tools to the game that I certainly didn't possess. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm still in awe of Andy's talent (laughs) Mm -hmm. and Dennis's Mm -hmm. talent. I mean, we just like we brought stuff to the to the game that nobody had ever seen before. And uh, so makes a really cool thing. And then we were just fearless. I mean, let's mm-hmm. put a bunch of, you know, Coke cans at 4,000 feet and see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hence the name Scrunch. For those of you that are listening, <laughs> yeah. you can go to the past website and find that, that early uh, sets of modules. So, um yeah, we, we were fearless, but it, it wasn't easy along the way. And so, um, like I said, you know, one of the other questions the staff has is, you know, was there, and it doesn't have to be an individual, but, you know, what were all the the sort of the naysay or the negatives, you know, around not doing this thing? And ultimately, how do you then balance that or counterbalance that with the, the primary motivator that actually got us to launch? And you know, this was an interesting one when the staff asked me to, to ask this question, because I had to step back and think about it. And don't get me wrong, you know, I know it was, it's been a journey, as, as Dennis points out, it was a journey all along the way, but but, you know, maybe you just forget the the naysayers along the way. I, I don't know. I'm curious, um, you know, from the three of you, do you, do you remember? I mean, I think. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. yeah. No, I remember. I mean, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, here, here's what I think was the strength. I never remember any of the four of us ever saying, let's not do it or, or we can't do it. It's just that we dealt with each problem and solved it the best we could. And, you know, coming out of filmmaking, that's really, you know, the attitude you have to have or you never get anything done. And I think it's true of a lot of things. So, so yeah, we had, you know, remember, you know, Red River had a lot of politics. We had a lot of bureaucracy things. We had definitely money issues, you know. I mean, they're normal, you know. If you look at that era as passed as a kind of not-for-profit startup, those are things every entrepreneur has to deal with, you know? And Annalise, as our leader, you know, never really faltered. And I do not ever remember any of us talking about not doing something or stopping it or whatever. And I think that's really what got us through it. It, you know, it was because I, I was so naive. I had no idea when I was in way over my head or when well, to say and some, no. And I fully stepped up to that. I was like, oh my gosh. 
But that's that's sometimes what you need. You know, you just don't know that. No, you can't do it. So you actually do it. You know, it's the old, you know, it's the it's the, you know, NASA thing. Failure is not an option, you know, and I don't think we ever said that, but we acted that way. It's just like, no, here are the issues. How are we going to deal with them? Let's do it. And and that as far as even even when past was more established and we had other kinds of issues. Uh, when I was on the board, uh, that has always been past attitude. And I think that's one of its strengths. Yeah, I, I, I would agree right? with that. that. And I don't know, Andy. <laughs> Am I remembering you right? Andy, did yes. you notice <laughs> that he compared our journey and our success to NASA? I'd like to point out NASA just managed to land on Mars again. So, I, you know, that's some pretty darn good company. <laughs> And as I said, they could land on Mars, but they couldn't keep the well, power well, on. Texas. Well, NASA, you know, I mean, not NASA, NASA. As a country, we go to Mars, you know, but we can't, we can't get the power well, in Texas. So, you know, so. NASA's been doing their thing for longer than past has. So check back with past in forty years, and we'll see where we are then. Uh, uh, I, I, I would just say I didn't. I, I was a little bit removed. Um, and didn't have didn't have to deal with the naysayers uh, as much as as much as you did, Annalise or Shelley, but or or Dennis, but but um, but but I agree with Dennis um, in the I think I think a lot of past success and the reason there still is a past is largely because Annalise was very very good at presenting the idea and convincing folks that who who might otherwise have been naysayers that it was doable because it was it was really innovative and unusual and and it seems to me everybody got caught up in that enthusiasm it was infectious and that yeah, that I think was, we ignored that a was lot. a key to the early success yeah, I'll be honest i mean you know it just a statement came to mind as you all were talking about that well i understand the ballet but i'm really not sure what you do and uh I remember Annalise kind of coming off her seat, like levitating. And I think her hands were kind of stretching to the woman's neck. And I, I think that we, you know, it was, um, I, I didn't understand the moment for years, but much later I, uh, I was in the presence of uh, another, uh, an, a really famous underwater archaeologist named uh, Pilar Luna. And I asked her, like, were you harassed? Did you, did you undergo discrimination, you know, when you were trying to set up uh, underwater archaeology in Mexico. And she looked at me and she goes, duh, she goes, but I ignored it. And I thought, <laughs> ah, that's what we were doing. We were just ignoring things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a, that's a really good point, Shelley, because, and, and, and I was laughing when Andy was talking in part, because, you know, part of it is you, you can go and tell a great story and the reality of it is you have to utterly believe it but that doesn't mean that it's easy to convince others so on the one hand the excitement and the enthusiasm but then when it really came down to you know to to what Shelley was talking about funding and sustainability the the figuring out how to go from the excitement and the and the enthusiasm of the idea and even quite frankly the application when it came to you know because everything was so field-based driven hands-on let's get people out actually living and trying whatever this is this thing that we're talking about is but that's that's not the same as you know being able to actually 
run and sustain and develop and grow an organization, that's that's a whole nother ball of wax. And, you know, from my own, you know, perspective and point of view, it was nothing that I was ever trained in or even contemplated, right, doing. And so um, I, I think, Shelly, you're right. I mean, I think you you ignore a lot of things because you have no idea what to pay attention to some days, right? And I think as we shifted into STEM and more and more complex applied sciences, not that our own fields are not um, complex in, in many, many ways, but because we are anthropologists or archaeologists or filmmakers or web developers or maritime historians or take your pick the other folks that joined the original board and sort of helped us in those early years you know when it came time to say hey but we can take the exact same way we build these programs and apply it you know to you know chemical reactions or material science or coding and computer science or take your pick the things over the years that we engaged in that's a harder sell because, you know, the conversation Shelly was referencing, which did in fact happen, that is a true story. And I did come off my seat and Shelly kept me from having to go to jail, I suspect. <laughs> um, but, but the reality of it is we encountered that numerous times in that early journey. And to some extent, from time to time, we still encounter it, but not the same way. It's like, okay, what is it that you bring to this table? that's different than other things, right? And I always thought that that was our unique value proposition is that we are not the same group of thinkers that are typically sitting around this table. Very true. I thought, I think we also, like Dennis would say, we're missing this, or Andy would say, we're missing this. I mean, I remember the, the huge conversation about Red River, Andy, when you mm-hmm. were like, well, how do people understand that this boat is, is you know, nine buses long or something like that? And, and then you went out and drew the thing and, and everybody went, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly what that is. And, and I think that <laughs> because we came at it from different perspectives and we really could bring our own thinking to the table, we could apply it in so many different ways. It was just quite wonderful to me to be part of that, I think. Yeah, I think that in many ways that's the that's the part that's the the most um enduring, right? You know, the there's the day-to-day and there's the and there's those big those those moments of of excitement. You got a phrase for that Shelley over the years, right? Something about boredom and moments of something. Oh, yeah. So I always described my job as um uh, hours of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. <laughs> And that is not a reflection on past. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> but it, it, it works in whatever job I've had, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one of the other questions, there's no question about that. One of the other questions, though, that um, some of the staff um, had, they really would love us to have a conversation about our individual aha moments. You know, something in those first few years that was so profound to you as an individual that it made it worthwhile and exciting and compelling to be part of this journey. And, you know, beyond just the excitement of startup, you know, we we had a number of really exciting projects. Those first five years were really, really foundational in more ways than one, right? Because we we, we actually did a variety of things and we all 
I, I just want to make sure that our, our our listeners and viewers understand we did all of these those first five years we all had day jobs we we had other jobs this was a you know a part-time organization it had no funds for operating quite frankly really paying people <laughs> uh, you know none of those luxuries existed in the early years um and as a result of that you sort of had to come to it with with some passion and you know we we went to Yellowstone we did Red River we were in the Outer Banks we were in the Gulf of Mexico with the U166 you know we were in California and i mean just some really cool things so Andy i'm going to hit you up first uh was there one was there an aha or or uh, something that we did that to you was incredibly meaningful and of course, everybody's getting the same question, and it's just on the hot seat first. <laughs> there were multiple aha moments for me. One of them, um, you just mentioned U-166. Um, one of those was in mm-hmm. going through the, uh, in doing the web stuff for that, in going through some of the historical records that had been recovered and preserved uh, and are now in a private collection and are now archived, was going through and looking at the crew members and sort of developing profiles because that made them, uh, you had Kuhlman who was the, who was the commander. You had all the other officers going mm-hmm. through that really sort of humanized that and, and made it a, a, an important story. And then going through the accounts from the Robert E. Lee and the, which is the ship that the U-166 sank and, and the, uh, uh, and the patrol craft that, ended up sinking U-166, mm-hmm. but was never given credit for it. Getting into the depth of that story and the personal experiences we were able to reconstruct and present, um, that, mm-hmm. that, was a, that, was an mm-hmm. important, that was an important moment for me. It wasn't a single moment. But yeah, it was, it fun, was an important, fun piece of the story because, boy, did we learn an awful lot on that project. Whew. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. What about for you, Dennis? I mean, like Andy, I had a lot of them. I mean, first of all, I really had to learn how archaeologists work, you know, and what they do and what the field is, you know. Um, So, you know, I had part of my doctoral training was in folklore because I was doing films in an English department and they didn't know where to put me. So I got it, which was which was great. And there's some similarities, but there's a lot of differences, too. And so so I wasn't totally unfamiliar, but. You know, starting with Red River and, you know, how you actually do this kind of expedition and along with all the other things like, you know, meeting people who eat squirrels <laughs> and that kind of stuff. That, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was part of my education. You know, I said, OK, and not seeing a green vegetable between like Oklahoma City and, and the river. The thing is, you know, along with that. And then I had the other um, thing, which which was really to me a very interesting challenge is how are we going to film mm-hmm. this? And we never had the same conditions twice. The Red River was not like Yellowstone, and it was definitely not like the U-166, mm-hmm. you know. And the U-166 really, you know, really has to stand out. If you have the first five years, you know, that is, you know, one of the high points because it was uh, very original research. We were working with the two archaeologists who actually, you know, Rob and Dan, who figured out where the boat was, People have been looking for it for decades, you know, and I actually got to go out twice, mm-hmm. right? The first time 
where we had that interesting conversation when you were pregnant with Jack and they wouldn't let you on the boat <laughs> because of insurance. And I, the first time I ever used ship to ship phone, you know, <laughs> so uh, that's still one of my memories <laughs> seeing Annalise like far away. And then, um, and then just documenting, <laughs> you know, this 24 of the second year when they were, they were doing uh, the multiple ships and the UN66 where, you know, we just got into it. I was with, you know, uh, two, two of them, I guess, three of my students. Lance was almost graduated. <laughs> but, um, so three of my students. And, you know, we had to figure out what to do. You're on a ship. You don't realize how noisy ships are. You know, you don't realize uh, all this stuff. And uh, it was just, you know, I can still remember the first time seeing the U-166 when the camera's on the mm -hmm. bottom and it goes and there's the conning tower. And yep, that's that's what it is. So, you know, it's a little bit what Andy was saying. You know, we really, along with what we did on the boat, documenting it and what we all were doing with research and learning about the crew, you really got into the lives of, mm -hmm. um, of the mm -hmm. U-boats. And, and the ships that they sank as well, you know. So that really, uh, I think, highlighted for me the importance of what PAST was trying to do on a broader basis and what, you know, where it, and where it went eventually in the future. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Shelly? Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just so many, although I think what kind of percolates to the top for me, and it's not really condensed into the first five years, but... Um, you know, I, I was trained to be a four-field anthropologist, and by the time I kind of got to past, I'd been a museum director, and I'd been an archaeologist, and I taught genetics, but I, I really didn't ever, I knew that I wasn't really a four-field anthropologist. I didn't, hadn't really perceived myself going out in cultural anthropology and linguistics and all that, and as past developed, it made me, uh, it made me a four-field anthropologist. And, and, and that was really, really cool because that was then I was pulling on all the strings of my education and my passion and everything to do everything. And, and so, yeah, those were those were great moments. And then I think just the kids, the kids made it the aha. I, I, there are a lot of kids that uh, still write me all the time. And I just that is just was like, wow, we impacted another generation. That's too cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can can definitely um, echo that that sentiment. Um, people ask me all the time, "What do I do?" I I will tell them that I'm an anthropologist. And prior to you know us really digging into here, I would have said I'm an archaeologist. And it, it seems like a small distinction, but it's an important one. And it's not that one is better um, than the other, not by any stretch of the imagination. But to Shelley's point, this organization allowed me to hone and develop skills that I had just barely touched on. And I think just from a professional sort of growth standpoint to, to sort of feel like you're capable of being able to do more than that, right? Um, and like all of you, there were so many amazing moments along the way, you know, certainly the, the pieces with the 
you know, the, the U-166, you know, Dennis made reference to not letting me on a boat. I would like to point out, I ultimately did get on the boat, right? And that is thanks <laughs> to a man by the name of Thomas Chance, who at the time, I think it was C- president CEO of CNC Technologies, which does is not an, even a company that exists anymore. He's retired. Um, was like, darn it, you can't leave on least on shore, you know? And it was one of those sorts of things that, you know, in Louisiana. And so out goes another boat. And, you know, they hired a medic to follow me around the ship for three days <laughs> if I was out of my cab and that man was standing next to me. Um, you know, so crazy things like that to, um, you know, the adventures that Dennis and I and, and his students in Yellowstone Park in the snow, you know, taking the, what ultimately Shelly and I would later discover, you know, the sort of STEM schools um, that came around much, much later in time, you know, into uh, to Yellowstone to do that work and to really um, see kiddos be not just, you know, citizen scientists, if you will, but truly the scientific team. That was my team, right? It, it wasn't all these other professionals. And that was a really important moment for me um, because it showed me that if we if we provide room and have a little bit of faith that kids Kids can do anything if we just give them a little nudge, right? And I think we all intuitively know that, but until you sort of experience it on that sort of level, and then how can we possibly translate that into something bigger, you know, not just an after-school or summer experience, um, you know, it's the case of those kids, but could that be the everyday? So it's a really, really important aha moment for me, and and I, I think a running close second to that would be, um, you've heard us make reference to Red River, which was a project in, in Texas. You know, we're underwater, we're in the current. Shelly and I are out, out exploring the paddle wheel. And, you know, she tried really, really hard to convince me to just blindly let go. <laughs> And I, 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 that was a pivotal moment because not only did I tell her, no, heck no, I'm not letting go. I didn't let go of her either. So <laughs> that helps it become, I think, just that much more of a journey. So, uh. Uh, absolutely. So thank you for that. Um, you know, a couple um, of the other questions um, that the staff, you know, want to know. One of my staff members said that, you know, 20 years is longer than most marriages today. What made it past um, last? And, and I think we've talked um, about lots of things that contributed to that. But I wonder if or sort of when the the work that we were ultimately doing together, at some point, it kind of became a roadmap or a template, if you will, right? For not just starting a business in this case, but but driving the direction of an organization. And so one of the questions that they wanted to know was, looking back 20 years later, you know, would we do it differently? I'll start with you, Dennis. Hmm, That's a very interesting question. Um, Every once in a while, the staff is uber profound. Not always. Yes, right. So I'm going to be very existential about it, okay? You know, that's one of those questions that's very Mm -hmm. difficult because we're not, you know, it's not now that we're doing, this isn't like back to the future or something, you know? So it's kind of like, I would say, would we have done things differently had we known things, you know, because I think we were all (laughs) learning. Well, of course we probably would have. On the other hand, I think, Annalise, you mentioned it. Some of 
some of one of our greatest strengths was our collective ignorance that really you shouldn't be able to do this, you know, and that's how some great things happen mm -hmm. all the time. So I would say that, you know, the, the, the logical answer is, of course, we would have done things differently, but we didn't because they were different times and there were different, different, both situations and pressures. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we didn't mention that I head the MFA in science and natural history filmmaking. And one of the things we're dealing with now is, you know, the general crisis in science communication. Mm -hmm. And what PAST was really doing was laying the groundwork to solve. And it's a very complicated mm -hmm. problem, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, PAST is laying, is, was and is laying the foundation to you know, solve part of that problem anyway. Maybe not the entire problem, but a lot of that. And I think, you know, that's that's one of its strengths. So whatever decisions we made or didn't make back in the past, this is where we are now, you know? And, and I think we've all learned. And I think the past as an mm -hmm, organization, mm -hmm. including the current organization has learned. And so we go on to the future better educated and, and more learned, mm -hmm. I guess. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would absolutely agree with with that. Um, does anybody else want to add anything else on that, or we we can move on to either way? I just would say that I think one of the things we stumbled on, at least for me, which was extremely profound in my thinking, and I've noticed has been a huge obstacle for others, is it has been that we 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 didn't coin the term certainly, but we grasped it and held on to it. And that's transdisciplinary mm -hmm. that we saw everything mm -hmm. holistically. And, and I think that that allowed us to make decisions that probably other people scratched their heads at. Um, but it really, it changed. It, it never put us in, um, in a box. Mm -hmm. Right. And we didn't know what to call it when we first started out, we were doing it from the get go. But we just, at some point, we, 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 we discovered the term and we started to use it. And it really seems to me that it, it, it probably uh, defines past more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that, that, if I can just mm -hmm. jump in, that's a great point because that's one of the things we talk about, how the sciences tend to get siloed. Mm -hmm. You know, things like how the pandemic is also an environmental crisis. Mm -hmm you know, is, is multiple things. And past has always brought disciplines together. So that's a great point, Shelley. I think that's, that's mm -hmm. very true. So. Well, and, and I think that that was one of the ways, and there were many ways, um, where, um, Andy, the skill that you brought, one of the things that you did a great job, you know, Dennis was out trying to gather that sort of um, that film story over and over again and, and to push us in really, really creative ways to figure out how would we be able to do that sort of in a mass media. But you helped us with the visual storytelling in a way that was really, I think, you know, and others correct me wrong, that was fairly unique at the time, right? Because you were literally taking the work, the science, whatever the, it happened to be, the history, you know, in the case of lots of these shipwrecks or whatnot, and literally pulling it apart, you know, fully understanding and the deconstructing of it and building it back in that sort of visual web space to tell a story that people could understand. You know, Shelley said, you know, earlier in reference to Red River, oh, well, you know, how many school bus, you know, could you park on the main deck of a, of a paddle wheel steamer? And that's not a small 
I mean, for in my mind, I mean, I think that's one of those sort of examples back to what Dennis was was trying to talk about is, you know, I think that oftentimes the way that you chose to reach in and grab pieces of whatever it was that we were doing it, because they were not always going to be the pieces that one, I think that when we sat down originally and said, hey, here's what this project's going to be, here's how we're going to tell the story, it never, ever went the way that you thought at the beginning. And part of it was because of the pieces you chose to pull out on a story. Shelly's shaking her head, right? You know, I'm right about this, right? Because I I, I I want you to talk about that just a little bit, Andy, because I think it's a piece that... (laughs) you know, and love us, the organization that we are 20 years later. But I, you know, they, the, a lot of the, the folks that are on the piece of the journey right now, they don't understand how hard we had to work to learn why story matters so much. I think if someone today in 2021 goes back and looks at the things that past was doing in 2001, um, and, and for the, during the first five years, mm-hmm. I think someone without that context especially maybe a younger person, um, would look at that and say, well, that's, that's interesting, but it's not very novel. Well, it was novel mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, you, to your earlier question about what would you do different, mm-hmm. I can't answer that specifically in the broader sense, but I think it's really important to understand that what past was doing, what past innovative was doing innovatively what past innovated, what past created, which presented a lot of challenges to convincing others of its value, mm-hmm. has now become very standard and very, very commonplace, mm-hmm. interdisciplinary. That was not where education was. That was not where anthropology was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, it, it, it's been very exciting to be part of that early on and to be groundbreakers in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, Andy, you, you, you proved to the world that simple wasn't stupid. And I think that's mm-hmm. huge. Because I think you took very complex concepts mm-hmm. and you made mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. understandable to just about anyone who got on our mm-hmm. site. And to your point, that wasn't being done. In fact, it was the, it right. was the reverse, you know, you, people wanted to use more complex words and they wanted to use really kind of very complex language to get these, their things apart, thinking that was going to help them be smarter. But you actually drove us in the, this, in the direction of let's make it simpler. Mm-hmm. And it didn't mean make it stupid or dumb. It just made, make it easy to understand. And I think past 20 years into the future is the recipient of that gift. No, I totally, I totally agree. Andy's, you know, constantly explaining things, bringing in some of the historical stuff. I can still remember sort of the emails like, Oh, what about, you know, that? So I think, I think in some respects, Andy and I were trying to do related Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. You know, I was trying to make it so that it would be cinematic. He was trying to make it, so it's accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. both of us mm-hmm. are trying to make it so people could fairly quickly understand what we were talking about and what we were doing, well, we you know, were, in we our respective all, media. We were so. all doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were all yeah. doing that, bringing yeah. our own background and skills to do that. That was, that was an over, again, that was an overarching thing to make something very complex, very technical, 
early on it was archaeology or nautical archaeology, and later it's expanded to other areas mm-hmm. of science. Mm-hmm. But to make something that was highly technical and highly specialized, much more accessible and much more understandable. And I think that's something that that is something that passed that all of us have done very well with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, and that was the key to past success mm-hmm. and longevity. Well, it's, 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 there's no question in my mind whatsoever, right? That it was very foundational and, and Shelly's right. We, we are the recipient uh, of that work over time because it has helped us not only think about that notion of accessibility. And I really love that. I think that was the absolutely right, Shelly, way to sort of express that, that, you know, you go, that, that, that's, and that, that piece is key to actually taking anything to scale. Right. I mean, without that as part of our foundational component, and it happens all the time, you know, we, we push on stuff, you know, it doesn't have to be this complex. Here are the pieces, here are the parts. This is how you build a thing. This is how you think about team. And that's the other thing I think that we do really, really well, you know, circling back around, Shelly was talking about transdisciplinary. We live and breathe that. And we, yes, we didn't have the right label on it in the beginning, but but we definitely learned to embrace that as a component that made it possible for us to imagine many, many things. And if you can imagine it, then, you know, theoretically, we, we, we could act on it. I want to sort of wrap us all up a bit with what I thought was probably the most profound question that came from the staff, you know, as they think about what is it that you want to know. And, and, and it's, a, it's a question that's um, tied to the idea of, here's the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase the question exactly as it was posted to me, and then we'll circle back around on it a, a little bit. Um, you know, the question was, how did you know when it was time to to leave your other jobs to focus on past full time? Now, we didn't all leave our other jobs, but we did collectively make a decision to past is going to be full time. And I think the essence of this question, because this is a young entrepreneurial, um, you know, um, components of, of past that are basically asking the question, when do you leap? And how do you know it's the right moment to leap? Uh, so I just got to sort of toss that sort of to the group as it relates to just sort of thinking about, you know, because it's a tough thing, right? And I don't know that there was one specific thing, you know, and, I, and I, my guess is we all sort of have a, you know, a different personal thread that sort of led to, hey, let's do this thing a little bit differently. Let's do it bigger. Let's walk away from something that we're already doing, you know, um, in the case of, of Shelly and I, who, who, who went full time. But, but as a group, we said the moment has come and we should, in fact, do this thing. This is Startup 101, Shelly. <laughs> yeah, cliff jumping, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all mm-hmm. the time with young people. You mm-hmm. to be it, to mm-hmm. not get You'll land. You might splat or you might land on your feet, but you will land. <laughs> I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a time when we wanted to do something. And I think the more we talked about it, the more to, to Andy and to Dennis's point, the more we became convinced we could, right? That, that, that it wasn't going to be easy. There was never, ever, I think that's something that's extremely important to put across I don't, maybe you guys think differently, but I never, ever thought it was going to be easy up until the moment I walked out the door. I just never thought that. 
but I never thought that no was going to stay no. <laughs> so, so taking those leaps and, uh, I, you know, I, I know that uh, Annalise and I have both talked a number of people over the cliff on a number of occasions. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Here, let me help yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't look. Look at me. Look at me. Wait, look over there. <laughs> um, and that they've, you know, gone off the cliff and when they've landed, they've said, oh, we landed. And we're like, yeah, it's okay. Um, but I think that that is extremely important um, in knowing that it's never going to be easy, uh, you know. And so when you're ready to go, your, your passion is going to have to carry you. It's going to have to float you through the night. So to me, that's a, that was what the cliff jumping was. And, and I, I think, though, that if I had known about the weather in Columbus, we may have rethought that <laughs> cliff jumping a little bit. You would have negotiated differently. I negotiated for Trader Joe's. I remember that was my thing. I, I remember said, I that. Not yeah. moving there until you get a Trader Joe's, and and we did magically. You got one minute the doors <laughs> open. He goes, Shelly, we have a Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, damn, I make that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Dennis or Andy. I mean, I think the mo you know, my my position sort of mm -hmm. changed a little, you know, when I went to the board. You know, there was there was just a point where it was clear that past was was going to make it. I mean, I remember when we decided to buy the building, you know, or you know, rent the building and then buy the building. You, you know, do this crazy thing I, I behind us. Yeah. Of, <laughs> I sit on a couple of boards, including one of my synagogue, and buildings are always like the worst thing, you know, they're the best thing and the worst thing, because that's really a commitment. You know, you, you have rent or you have a mortgage or you have something. But I remember when we did that and I really had no, you know, it was a risk, obviously, but past had always been about risks. So I remember it's like, sure. Yeah. If we can make, you know, if it fits what we need to do. And of course now it looks great. You know, I remember what it looked like when, before all the renovations and things and picking out the kitchen cabinets or whatever the <laughs> hell we were doing. back <laughs> So I think there was a point and it was before the building, mm -hmm. but it was just like, you know, this is, we're going to keep going, you know? And yeah, you know, and nothing is without challenges. So you just take that as they mm -hmm. come. But the past had, especially, you know, in the first five years, but even immediately after that, it had known when to sort of shift emphases. It knew when to expand what it was doing. So um, a lot of that is, is, you know, tribute to you, Annalise. You, you need to take the credit for that. But, um, and we had support, you know, it from what would used to be, you know, our original advisory board or whatever it was, was a bunch of academics. And now we had community members and nonprofit people, and corporate people. And when we, you know, when, when you saw that, when I saw that, I said, okay, you know, we're, we're laying a very solid foundation here you, for the future of past. So I think that's, that's, you, you know, think when it I comes from it, the fact so. that we have to put our lives in each other's hands. You know, we get underwater. Annalise stood on me several times and, you know, she'd never let go of that wheel. Man, she would not let go of that hub. But, but the fact of the matter is, is we had to believe in each other. 
we had to put that faith in each other's hands and on so many times it had nothing to do but when it so when it came to past and earlier you guys talked about what a team we made when it came to past we were already ready to put our we already trusted each other with our lives therefore we could trust each other with our passions it seemed to me yeah i mean i mean i don't remember us ever saying no to be quite honest you know no I mean, she said no she would not things, let go of you know? that <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know what I'm saying. You know, it was like, yeah, it's not like, no, we won't do that. But, you know, so I think that's, I think you're right. So, I, I, you know, I'm not a diver, so I don't have the same point of reference, but I, I, I think it's very appropriate. You put cameras so. down though, 4,000 feet, Dennis. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Same, same. Well, you know, so <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. We, you know, Hey, Past, past pushed me to places I'd never yeah, been yeah. before. I so. promised a journey. I promised adventure. No, just to follow what, what was what Dennis said. I don't remember anyone saying no. Um, I remember a lot of how on earth are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. But I also remember that everybody brought a really unique uh, individual perspective. To a problem. And that gave past in the early years a lot of sort of intellectual flexibility mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to address problems that that might have that 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 might have sunk um, a, a, a small, somewhat somewhat tenuous organization mm -hmm. early on mm -hmm. that that formed the basis of a stronger organization that could grow and adapt. And and uh, and into the future. So, mm -hmm. I would agree so with that, that. Yeah, from my perspective, that's been the great that's been the great key to the success of past. Yeah, I want to thank all of you, not just for I mean taking time out of your day today to have the conversation, but more importantly for you know having enough faith in us, us together to take the take the leap to begin with, right? You know, it wasn't just that we said, hey, let's jump off this cliff together or, you know, build the airplane while we fly it or, you know, all of all of those components that we hear all the time. I, for me, the the single biggest moment was that we collectively said, you know, not just why not, but uh, very deliberately, yeah, let's do this thing and let's do this thing together. And I think that, you know, that there's, Shelly's right. You know, I, I think the mindset from the outside was, you know, I, I have enough faith and trust um, in these collective people with, with my work world, whatever that happens to be, to, um, to delve into a passion. And, you know, had we not done that, together and I think had it been any you know a different four people it would never have ended up the same sort of way and you know who knows what it'll do you know as it grows into the future but um, I for one am just so, so grateful for for all of you so thank you very much for joining us today thank you thank you thank you thank you for joining us for learning unboxed a conversation about teaching learning and the future of work I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>